This is part three of our four-part innovation discussion. Here we are exploring how to think like an innovator. Welcome to the PWC-KWHS webinar series for high school educators on business and financial responsibility. I'm Diana Drake, Managing Editor of Knowledge at Wharton High School, and today we are discussing innovation and the art of problem solving. Talk of innovation is everywhere in the business world. To be an innovator is to position yourself on the path to a successful life and career. We tell our high school students that they need to be more innovative, but do they truly understand what that means and how it is related to problem solving? Do they understand that innovation requires critical thinking to see something in an entirely new light and to possibly inspire real change? We'll discuss these and other ideas to help provide high school educators with a framework of understanding for innovation and to find ways to teach students to be innovative thinkers and problem solvers. We're excited to have two top experts in the field helping us to explore this important topic. Shaika Chowdhury is an adjunct associate professor of management and executive director of the Mack Institute for Innovation Management at the Wharton School. Rob Shelton is global innovation strategy lead at PwC and specializes in integrating innovation, new business models and new technologies, into an organization's strategy and operations to create growth. Thank you both for sharing your insights today about innovation and the art of problem solving. During our discussion, we'll also be addressing questions from high school educators around the country. Okay, so it's one thing to recognize the power and influence of innovation and entirely something else to call yourself an innovator. What does it mean to be an innovative thinker and to embrace that what-if approach? That's a really good question. I think um, you could say that some of it's inspired, some of it's personality, but some of it has to do with... um, the environment that you have around you. So if you're constantly challenged with thinking about how to solve major problems, that's one way of uh, increasing the chance that somebody will be an innovative person. Um, That being said, I don't know if everybody's geared for that. Uh, nor if everybody really wants to do that. You know, I think there are people who are perfectly happy with implementing or improving existing things, yet others who want to be truly innovative and promote uh, the creation of absolutely new things to solve problems. You know? I, I think you're right, and you're on to something important, which is I, I believe that people are inherently innovative, but not to the same degrees and not to the same areas. I mean, some people do the breakthroughs. They, they see those. They, they're able to work on them, and they're, they're energized and driven towards it. Other people naturally are, are attracted to small uh, incremental innovations, and again, highly valuable and important. Uh, also, some people are better at the implementation of it. They see the value of innovation. They've had a twinkle in their eye about doing something similar, but where they jump in is into, into that teamwork where you take the, that rough, brilliant idea and turn it into a functioning reality. So I, I think that we, we may have thought about innovation too much as this, this genius who has a flash of insight. And while that is part of innovation, there are other types of innovation, and the roles of innovation are broader than just the flash of insight. So I think that we, we need to broaden uh, this, this definition of innovative thinker and, and begin to, to look at folks and say, where do you fit? What kind of innovation role do you want to play? And, and help them do it. Now, once you've done that, 
you have to create the right environment for them because um, I can tell you that I often get asked by CEOs and executives, you know, I, they go, I'm not sure we really have innovative people in our company that can drive this level of creation. And I say, well, you probably do, but you've been focused so long on operational excellence, improving efficiency and lowering costs, that that's what they look like now. But if you gave them the chance, they would step up to the challenge and, and be energized by the opportunity to work in innovation. So remember, you can take away or stifle people's uh, innovative interests by the wrong environment. Uh, but the other part is you need to figure out what they're good at so that you don't send them to do breakthrough innovation when, in fact, they're very best suited to do incremental innovation. What is the connection between innovation and creativity? You often hear those two words in the same breath. Shike it, that's for you. <laughs> I think creativity is one part of innovation. Um, it may be the idea generation part or coming up with the possible uh, solutions for something. But then thinking about how to make it come together, to actually put it together, to then take it towards implementation uh, are a host, an array of different skills, like Rob had also mentioned earlier, which uh, which have to be put there. So it's one piece, but it's uh, imagine a world where you only have great ideas that's sort of what the creativity will lead you to. But those ideas are not translated into something, uh, either a product or a process or a business model or something else that has impact either in economic terms or on society in some way. Christine Kelly of Shenandoah Central School in Clifton Park, New York, says her students are afraid of creativity and innovation because it is stifled in many subject areas. She asks, how do we convince students that it's okay to be creative and innovative thinkers? That's a, a great question. Obviously, in some sense, you could consider this a very loaded question because there's a larger debate at schools around testing and standardized testing and, and uh, what the purpose of that is and bringing everybody along and making sure they have a certain level. That said, um, I think one important point is people may not understand what's the purpose of creativity or innovation at a particular stage in life. You know, they may think that, okay, I, I need to see immediate results, such as a test score um, or admission to college or something of that sort. But, um, you know, they may not see the value of doing things differently. And so they'd rather follow what they're instructed to do and, and go about that process. But I think if we're able to introduce... Um, introduce role models and say, you know, you wouldn't have had, do you use Google? Sure. If people didn't think differently, you know, Sergey Brin and, and, and Larry Page, you know, we wouldn't have a search engine, for example. Or if Steve Jobs, do you, do you use an iPad or do you use a tablet of some form? Well, yes, but you know, that wouldn't exist if uh, people didn't think differently because nobody thought of, you know, creating something you could basically put your hand on and touch and, and, and things of that sort. Then we wouldn't have these great things. So we need that. Um, the trouble, though, is, and I understand the challenge, is how do you make that abstract or that long-term thing something that's immediate in their life? And I think there we can turn to problem solving. We can say, hey, what are the things that you, you like? What are the things you don't like? Um, what things do you think, what, what do you struggle with? And, and come up with a better way of, of approaching it. That's one way, an exercise I would imagine that one could use to help um, uh, them live this. I think that... Uh, Full agreement, I, but I think that I'm looking, thinking about the question, and it has to do with 
um, creativity and innovation being stifled in many subject areas. I think good role models are part of it. But the reality is that a lot of education is focused on memorization or application of proven uh, capabilities, tools, and the like. There's not a lot of room for creativity. Um, That being said, these are valuable lessons that need to be learned. I think it's also important to point out that in some situations, being innovative is extremely valuable. But, you know, there are places and times when it's not. I don't think that when I drive to work, I ought to be wildly creative about how I drive to work. I think that there are certain norms and rules and and the like that I think are important for us all to be safe. Uh, And so understanding when to go for it on the innovation front and and when not to, I think, is an important lesson that is lacking. I think that the general message that comes across, and I'm speaking from my own experience here and personal as well as what I've observed, is that many schools just assume, look, we're just going to teach you to to do the the non-creative things and we'll worry about the other stuff. You can learn that elsewhere. I think they both need to be included, but at the right time so that folks learn when they should turn on their innovation engine and be creative, uh, and when maybe they should just stick to the basics and learn how to manage a given tool the way it is today. Does that make sense? Sure, I could. Yeah, makes sense to me. And in fact, I was thinking about the mechanisms that could be useful. Projects, for example, right, are very good ways of allowing people to be creative within those confines of right. producing something and applying techniques. That's a good, good point. Why is failure a critical part of innovation? Rob, do you want to take that one? I do. Um, it is, but I I resist seizing on the word failure. Uh, the root of the word means to disappoint. Uh, and I think it's hard to tell people that you've got to be ready to disappoint over and over again or that that's a standard part. I, I think that instead we ought to look at innovation and what works. And what works are experiments where you test the hypothesis. You go, I think that this will work better if we do it this way, or I've got a different idea about how to accomplish that goal. And you run a, a, an experiment, a test, uh, to see whether that idea is right. And uh, if it is, wow, you've got confirmation, and as we like to say, you have data. You've now got a data point. If I do X, I get Y. But if you do it, uh, try your hypothesis and test it, and it doesn't work, you have a discovery. It's not a failure. What you've learned is what won't work. Edison did this with many, in fact, his light bulb. How many filaments did he test? Hundreds before he found the right one? He was quoted, and I'm paraphrasing him, as saying, you know, if I try 10,000 things and they don't work, I'm not disappointed. I now have insight into where I need to go uh, to find the solution. So I think that while we need to encourage people to experiment and explore and, and, and to b- develop both data and to discover what doesn't work. I'd like to resist calling it failure. I just think it's hard to get people to buy into the idea of failing. Maybe at some point along the line we'll uh, take that pejorative context out of the term. But for the time being, let's talk about uh, experimentation, exploration, and learning, because that's what comes when you experiment. You learn what works and doesn't. Now, Shrike, have I gone down a, a, a rabbit hole on this one, or does your experience I actually fully that? agree. I was going to say uh, we're totally like on this experimentation is really the, the the focus and the other thing that you implicitly said is it's you know the outcome we, we focus a lot on the outcome of something and not enough sometimes on the journey or the process you know and uh, that may be equally important good point 
So, of course, assessment is very important to teachers. And Jean Lazzarini of Raft in San Jose, California, wonders how teachers might assess innovation in their students. Do you have any suggestions for that? That's an intriguing question. Uh, I'm a big believer in metrics or ways to measure or assess, you know, how how we're doing. Uh, is it, are we going to succeed? Is this innovation successful? Or are we as a team being successful? But assessing innovation in their students. Well, I guess there's two things that you need to worry about, which is um, uh, how which are the ones that are, you know, really wildly innovative and which are the ones that maybe have some modicum of capability and and such. And I think that you might run experiments that way. You might give them challenges and and find out who gravitates towards what problems and, and how well they solve them. So one, you'll learn about sort of native ability. And then if it's a case of um, you're working with students to help improve their innovation capabilities, working in teams and problem solving and critical insight and things like that, well, then you sort of want to just measure how much they engage in the process. As I said, it's not just did they find the answer, it's how engaged were they, how good were they at working with others and, and in challenging themselves and coming up with great experiments and all of the process steps. That's the sign of a great innovator. So I think that those two measures, what kind of innovator are they and how well do they engage? I agree with that. And I think it's really interesting. This question is coming from a teacher who's in the heart of Silicon Valley. Um, and I assume thinks about this in many ways. And, and, you know, the firms around there also think about these questions. I mean, like you said, in terms of outcome, we can think about the number of ideas that simply come out, perhaps, or the number of approaches. But the process, how they engage, that for me is also very, very critical because that's what leads to these outcomes. That's how we can actually influence it. We were talking earlier about, you know, we have this uh, notion of this eureka moment and the lone inventor and so forth. That's not what innovation is in practicality and reality. So what it is is setting up a bunch of conditions, whether they're processes or organizations, which allow people to come up with novel ways of thinking about certain problems. So best way to do it is give them certain problems to solve and see how well they fare, uh, they fare, both in terms of the how part and what comes out of it. Excellent. I, I think it's interesting. I think that that, that innovation being experimentation and, and trial uh, lends itself naturally to, to this idea of measuring. So how would you measure how people are doing in innovation? And one, you set up some tests, some experiments, let them see where they go uh, and see how they engage. Uh, I think that um, we've, we've put our finger on something here, which is inherent in both doing innovation and assessing innovation. You've got to ask, how well do they experiment? How do they engage? Which areas attract them most? And then work on improving those skills. And you're right. It's, it's interesting that this is coming from the heart of Silicon Valley, uh, which right now is, is frankly looking at new and better ways to innovate. And, and there's one other factor. And we talk about innovation as if it's a given. I think we consistently innovate the way we innovate. So there may even be people that are not only good at products and services and widgets and uh, new ways of working, uh, workplace environment and the like, there may actually be people that are really good at improving innovation. <laughs> 